Good morning, Bridge. We're going to get real up in the house this morning. You ready? So how many of you would consider yourselves average? Anybody, average, any average folks here? I, I hate the idea of average because to me, average is as close to the bottom as it is the top. But so I don't like to think of average, but there are some averages that, that I would like to be below average in. I just read some just this past week in preparing for this. The average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man loses his temper six times a week. This is, this is by the way, a no elbow zone, so keep your elbows to yourself today. Most women uh, lose their temper at people, and men lose their temper at stuff, cars, computers, flat tires, that kind of stuff, right? Men typically get physical with their anger. Women typically get verbal. Is it making sense? My Aunt Lee is the exception. The story that I grew up with is Uncle Bill and Uncle Maury got in a fight one night in their living room and she picked them both up. She's a big old strapping woman. She picked them both up by the belt and walked them out of the house and threw them in the front yard and said, if you're going to fight, do it out there. So, you know, there are exceptions to the rule, obviously. Contrary to popular opinion, singles get angry more than marrieds. But the most disconcerting, uh, yet I don't think you'll be surprised, is that anger is most often expressed where? Anybody know? At home, and it's directed toward who? The people we love the most. That's the reality of where we live. I ran across a, a, a cute little quote the other day that goes like this, to dwell above with those we love, oh, that will be a glory. To dwell below with those we know, well, that's another story. <laughs> Truth is, getting angry is a normal human experience. Can I get an amen in the room? You guys that know me know I love to start with universal amens. That's exactly what happened. We're created in the image of God. And the Bible says that even God got angry, yet God is holy. He's without sin. It's not capable of sinning. So the question is not if we get angry, we do. The question is, do we sin when we get angry? Here's how Paul uh, put it, and here's what he warned us about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 7. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. What's he saying? He's saying that, that you can be angry without sinning because he said, when you're angry, don't sin. But it goes on to say that you've got to, when you are angry, you've got to find resolution to that because anger unresolved festers. It grows and ultimately opens a door for Satan to get a foothold in your life, in your relationships. And, and he came with one agenda and everybody knows what that agenda is. It is to steal, kill, and destroy. For those of you that are new, we're in a series we're calling Breaking Free, uh, subtitled The Seven Deadly Sins. And what we're talking about is that list of sins that, a, that, that a, a monk came up with in the fourth century that said, everybody struggles with one or more of these seven sins. Paul, even before that, said in 1 Corinthians that it was absolutely true. So let's rehearse them again for those of you that have been here and maybe introduce them for the rest of you. Some of you know them. The seven deadly sins are, in no particular order, pride, gluttony, greed, laziness, wrath, envy, and lust. Obviously, today, we're talking about wrath. And week by week, what we're talking about is getting a little bit of understanding, a little more understanding of what that sin is and what happens but far more importantly, we're focusing on uh, the, the way that God provides out. So lean into a little bit this morning because this is one of those 
uh, that's, uh, that just lives where we live. It's, it, it's what the reality of our human experience because everybody, I think we've already agreed, everybody gets angry. Say it with me. Everybody gets angry. The question is, what do you do with your anger when it comes? I'll just say it bluntly. The goal is not to never get angry because that's, that's not possible. In fact, that's denial. The goal is to find the root of our anger and diffuse our anger before it becomes a bomb that blows up in our relationships. But before we get into that, how do you diffuse this thing? I wanna make sure we're clear about something that, that may come as a surprise to some of you. And I realize a huge percentage of our folks are online today. It's holiday weekend. We're so glad that you took the time on the holidays to be with us online. Lean in, take notes, get a piece of paper, get your phone out, go to the Bridge app and Bridge NC app and pull up the notes there, take notes. This is one of those kind of weeks where you're really gonna to wanna to make sure that you're capturing everything that we're talking about. Before we get into the, how do we diffuse it though? Let me be clear about this, okay? Um, not only does everybody get angry, but there are different ways to express anger. Would you agree with that? There, there are different ways to express it. Some are so subtle that you don't even realize they're angry and others, it's kind of obvious that they're really angry right now. And, it's kind of clear. In fact, I see four expressions of anger in the Bible. Let me just walk through them quickly and then we're gonna get into the way that God provides out, okay? First is what I identify and call uh, the walking time bomb. This is the person, you all know them. Don't look at them or throw elbows at them, but they've got a, a hair trigger, doesn't take anything at all. And then when something triggers them, they go off. I mean, it's just Mount Vesuvius, you know, they yell, they fuss, they cuss up a storm. They do all kinds of stuff. Earliest example in the Bible, all the way back in Genesis chapter four, when Cain killed his brother, Abel. Interesting thing about time bombs is that they often attack and then they feel better because they've vented out the junk that's there and they're oblivious to the fact that they just dumped on people that they love who are now in a heap in the floor and they walk away, feel, walk away feeling better. Uh, and even when they do figure it out, they're often too prideful or too insecure to acknowledge what they've done. The silent type is the second type. That's the exact opposite. There's, that's the ones who hold it in, who clam up instead of blow up. They're the ones who often deny their anger, even, even to themselves. These folks tend to build these protective walls around themselves to protect themselves from the things that, that are making them angry. But while they're sitting behind their walls, they are rehearsing over and over. I have, a I have every right to be mad. I have every right to be angry. How dare they treat me their way? How, how dare they act that way? Why does all this stuff happen to me? Before you know it, uh, they have shut down and shut away from everybody until somebody who cares comes and pokes at them a little bit and says, why are you so mad? I'm not mad. Yeah, I think you might be angry. Oh, no, no, I'm not angry. Yeah, come on, get open up with, talk to me a little bit. Why are you angry? I'm not angry. They finally, you know, somebody calls it uh, the silent type, the crock pot version of anger. You can't tell by looking if you're cooking till the lid comes off. You know, that's the type. The third type is the martyr. And the martyr is that person I'm, that's, they're, they're pros at the pity parties and the self-loathing. Anytime anybody gets angry around a martyr, it's the martyr's fault. 
I shoulda, I coulda, I woulda, why didn't I? What's wrong with me? It's all my fault. And there's no convincing these martyrs that it isn't their fault because they walk in the pain of that. And you don't necessarily think of that as anger, but that's exactly what it is. It's anger turned inward instead of outward. The fourth type is the self-righteous, the holier than thou, the judgmental which again is the opposite of the martyr because uh, these folks never look inward. They never accept blame or responsibility. They have an excuse for everything that happens or somebody else to blame for everything that happens. Now this group often expresses their anger passive aggressively. Uh, these, these are the folks that, that, that love to use sarcasm as a stab. And then when you uh, recoil at their sarcasm, they, they, they double down and say, well, what's the matter? Can't take a joke? It's like sticking a knife in, twisting it, and pulling it out right quick. Or they say nice things to your face and then gossip about you behind your back. But of course, we're Christians, so we don't gossip. We say, you know, I really don't want to talk about this, but we really need to pray for so-and-so. Whatever expression you use for anger, those are the four primary ones. The end of the day is good news because whatever expression you use is learned behavior. You learned it from parents. You learned it from teachers. You learned it from partners. You learned it on the street. You learned it from movies. It's learned behavior. And the good news about that is if it's learned behavior, then it can be unlearned behavior. And so let's get into it. The Bible lays out a very clear path for diffusing our anger before the bomb uh, goes off, to learn how to, to deal with the anger that comes up in all of our lives. I think we established that everybody gets angry. We're still clear about that one? So what do we do when we get angry? Maybe a different expression for you, or it's, it's, it's often a different expression from your spouse, uh, members of your family, but at the end of the day, We've a lot to learn to diffuse it. I've actually put it in an acrostic to help you remember. So D-E-F-U-S-E, uh, so help you capture this. Again, if you're, if you're taking notes this morning, be sure to capture these things. If not, send me an email this week at info at bridgechurch.cc. I'll send you these notes so you can research them later. This is one of those, uh, dig back into it and really ponder it because it will change your life. Sincerely, the word of God will change your life. You will be transformed if you'll learn these truths and apply them to your life. So let's get into it. The D in diffuse stands for determined to manage my anger. I'm determined, I make a decision, I'm going to, to control my anger. You gotta quit saying I can't help it. You gotta stop justifying why you do what you do uh, by saying that's just the way I am or, or worse, you make me so mad. It's your fault that I'm so angry. And my response is, what are you doing giving him or her that much control over your emotions? What do you mean they make you? They, don't, they can't make you do anything unless you decide to let them make you do that. So if you want Satan to stop getting a foothold in your life and in your relationships, you got to accept responsibility for your actions and reactions. Otherwise, you never get to the root of why you're angry. Therefore, you never resolve the issues that made you angry um, until you decide to control your reaction, your actions and reactions. Uh, to the anger. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11. Foolish people lose their tempers, but what? 
What does it say? Wise people control themselves. That does not mean ignore your anger, bury it. The old saying, when, you're, when you swallow your anger, your stomach keeps score is true. But it does mean that you make the decision to control your anger. Well, I hear you, Pastor Jim, but it's just, no, that's not possible. I can't control it. Actually, you can control it if you will. How many of you ever been in an argument? I know you don't do this in your home, but how many of you ever been in an argument somewhere and in the midst of the argument, your, the, your phone rang and you're like this, and the phone rings and you answer the phone and say, hello, oh no, it's a fine time to call. Sure, how are you doing? Hang the phone, where, where were we? It's just you can control it if you choose to, but you have to choose to, got it? I got two got it's over here. Come on, you got it? Diffusing your anger begins with a commitment. Starting today, I will find better ways to express my anger when it comes. I'm gonna start controlling it instead of letting it control me. I'm gonna start controlling it instead of letting it control me. You ready for the E? The E in diffuse gives you the motivation to keep that commitment. It simply is evaluate the cost. Evaluate the cost of my anger. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person causes trouble. A person with a quick temper sins a lot. Can I get an amen in the house? Pastor Jim paraphrase, when I lose my temper, I lose. Understand, anger is energy. Is that true? When you get anger, what, when you get angry, what happens? Your heart starts beating faster, your pulse starts going. Before you know it, you feel yourself rising up. I mean, for some of you, you clean hard and fast, you drive hard and fast, you put your fist through a wall, your voice gets loud. Anger is energy, that's what happens. Well, I need you to understand that God gave you that energy on purpose for a purpose, and the purpose of that energy is to get you to, to invest the time into figuring out what's really going on here. But if you don't use the energy that anger is to discover the root of your anger, in other words, if you don't resolve it, then one of two things is gonna happen. It happens every time. Either that unresolved anger becomes resentment, which depletes energy and leads to depression, that's the silent type in the martyr, or it leads to wrath where that energy explodes like a bomb, damaging everything we care about, and that's of course the time bomb or the, the, the judgmental self-righteous person. Is that true? It is. Either way, Satan's getting a foothold in your life when you allow that to happen. So, so, so let's just, let's see if we can consider some, uh, some examples of that and you tell me if it's true. This is, that's my observation uh, over the years of dealing with people, but you tell me if it's true. When it comes to your career, have you ever heard, you, you ever heard of anybody whose career advancement was stilted because they couldn't control their anger? Hello, are you out there? Is this microphone on? That, you know, expressions like, well, you know, he's really productive, but he's a hothead. That's what you get. Or she's so standoffish, you, you really don't know what's going on with her. Does that affect your annual evaluation? Sure it does. How about your health? Ask any medical profession, a professional, and, and they will tell you that there is a direct link between the physical, the spiritual, and emotional. They're all intricately tied together, and one feeds the other, one controls the other. And so that's why you've heard expressions like, calm down, you're going to blow a blood vessel. 
calm down. If you don't, if you don't get it out, it's going to kill you. You've got to get it out because we understand that at the end of the day, uncontrolled anger, unresolved anger, that impacts our health. How about family? I mean, we, we could spend the rest of the day talking about how uncontrolled or unresolved anger impacts our, our families. We could talk about sibling relationships. We could talk about marital relationships. Let's talk about parenting for a minute because uh, I've seen far too many parents use anger to control their kids. They just immediately go to this high energy, angry kind of place and, and they start yelling at their kids and threatening their kids and, and, and it works. It works. For a little while, they get a response. You say, you better move, and they move. But the long-term cost of that is a loss of respect and resistance to your authority. Learning to control your anger is huge in families. In fact, Proverbs eleven twenty nine. 29, it's not on your screens, but it's in the notes I'll send you if you write me. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. How about your testimony? Does unresolved anger affect your testimony? Some, some of you would like very much to share your faith with some people that you know that don't know Jesus like you do, but you know that as soon as you do, the, the, the thing that Satan's going to throw up at you is every time you blew up in front of those people. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church in Oklahoma City. Well, it's, there are multiple states now. As far as I know, the largest church in America now, 100,000 people on a given weekend. Uh, it's just amazing what God has done uh, at that church. But Pastor Rochelle uh, uh, tells about an event in his life when they, he and his family went Christmas shopping at the mall in Oklahoma City, and, and they pulled into the parking lot in their little minivan. And when they got, he, he said, I spotted a parking space, which can be a challenge, you know, at Christmas time. So I spotted a parking space as a prime space. I got eye lock on that, on that parking space. And then just as I got up to it, a little red sports car came in from the other side, went right in front of me and parked, just took my spot. And he said, I pulled that minivan right up on his bumper and I put my foot on the brake and my, my foot on the gas pedal and I reared that little minivan up. The guy in the sports car went, went inside the mall. So I went and parked and I'm fuming and I'm walking around with my wife and kids and we're looking for Christmas presents and I'm not enjoying this event, family outing at all. And the guy driving the sports car walks up to him and says, sir, I... I think I might owe you an apology. I, I got the feeling that maybe, maybe you were going to pull into that parking space. I didn't see you, but, but I, I, so I, I guess maybe I, I took your parking space. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. And, and Pastor Groeschel said, yes, you did. I had eye lock on that parking space. That's my, that was my space. And the guy said, well, I'm just really sorry. Um, has anybody ever told you you might have some anger issues? I'd really like to introduce you to my best friend. His name is Jesus Christ. Pastor Rochelle in that moment stood there going, I'm the pastor of the largest church in the state, one of the largest churches in the country, and I'm being witnessed to by a teenager in the mall <laughs> because I don't have control over my anger. If you want to diffuse your anger, you've got to determine First, to gain control over your actions and reactions, then you got to evaluate the cost. Now you're ready to get to work. You ready to get to work? All right, the F in diffuse stands for focus on the root cause. 
Try to go to the root, go to the heart of what's really going on here. Proverbs 19, 11, a person's wisdom yields patience. Pastor Jim paraphrased, the more I understand about my anger, the more I will understand how to manage my anger. Do, do you understand why? The reason is that because anger is not actually your problem. I told you anger is energy, but it's also a warning light. It's also a red flag. It's, it's a signal to you that something's going on here that's wrong, that's not helpful, that's, that's dysfunctional, that's, that's maybe sinful. And the problem is until you understand that, you spend all your time either blowing up or clamming up and then spend all your time repairing the damage of having pulled away or pushed in and you never get around to the root cause of what's going on. So it just gets wussa and wussa and wussa. I don't know if that's a word or not, but you know what I'm talking about. You, you ever had an argument with your friend or your spouse, and before, you, before it was over, you realized you, you don't even remember what the issue was? You're, you're arguing about the way you're arguing? How dare you speak to me that way? How dare you say, I deserve to be treated better than this? And before you know it, you don't even know what you're arguing about. You're just arguing about the argument because anger is out of control. So if you want to break that cycle, you've got to go to the root. First place for most of us, look, is one of the three that I'll mention right quick. For most of us, anger comes out of uh, one of these three or more. The first one is hurt. We saw that in the little video this morning. Who hurt you? That hurt might be physical, it might be emotional, it might, might be relational, whatever, uh, but but let's be honest, guys. When we're hurt, anger stirs. When you hit your thumb with a hammer, what do you do? You don't go, oh my, that was uncomfortable. I, I think I probably will not do that again. <laughs> that's not what you do, Steve? No, oh, that's not what you do? No, wait a minute. Now, if you're a Christian, you use Christian cuss words. You say, praise God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Right. But it's just that when you're hurt, anger comes up. Uh, some of you remember Pastor Willard Hardison. Pastor Willard was Pastor, Fer is Pastor Farrell's son. He's in heaven now, or his father. He's in heaven now. But what a precious, precious man. Those of you that knew Mr. Willard uh, was, was as even-keeled a guy as you've ever known. Just a sweet, gentle spirit. But at his funeral service here in our worship auditorium, his son Chuck told one of the most precious stories about Mr. Willard when Chuck was growing up. Uh, Mr. Willard was gonna do some repair on his car and it was an incredibly hot day and he was having trouble. I think he was replacing the brake pads on the front of his car and having a hard time getting them off and getting the new ones on and they're hot and sweaty. And he sends Chuck to go get his toolbox. He needs some more tools. So Chuck runs off, comes back with the toolbox and it's one of those old school metal toolboxes that had a clip on it, but it was hard to tell whether th this is the top or this is the bottom. They kind of look the same. <laughs> on both sides. And so sure enough, Chuck sets it down. Mr. Willard opens it. It's upside down. Tools go everywhere. Mr. Willard grabs his hammer and goes, wham, 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 wham. That's the bottom. And goes back to fixing the car. <laughs> if you want to break a cycle, you got to figure out what's really going on. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's hurt. Edwin Lee wrote a book called Angry, Angrily Ever After. It's a good read. Uh, it's subtitled, When the Fairy Tale Ends and Marriage Gets Real. Here's what he says. A recent study established that one out of three divorced persons 
10 years after, still feel intense feelings of anger associated with their former marriage. Why? Because divorce hurts. And the deeper the hurt, the deeper the anger. That's why, you know, some of the therapies that you'll get out there in the secular world may give you temporary relief. Things like primal scream therapy and that kind of stuff may give you temporary relief, but it doesn't go to the root of the issue so it can be resolved. Otherwise, Satan gets a foothold. The second uh, basic or common uh, thread or root is frustration. Something's not going right. Something's not going the way you want it to. Something is never feels like it's going your way or you're feeling forced into a box that doesn't fit. You want something desperately, can't seem to get it, and frustration begins to build. We've all been in those situations, and it's incredibly tempting to either vent or shut down when those frustrations come. When you recognize that, you've got to ask yourself the question, is letting this stew helping? Is it worth the cost of holding on to this anger? The third common root is insecurity or fear. We get angry when we feel threatened, when we're afraid. Uh, even the most timid animal, if you back him in a corner, he's going to counterattack. That's what they do, and we do the same. So if you attack my self-worth, if you embarrass me in public, if you put me down, I'm going to Everything in me is going to want to fight back in one of the four ways that we talked about a few minutes ago, two of which were venting and the other two were shutting down. If you really want to get a handle, if you really want to diffuse your anger, then you've got to find the root of the issue. The U stands for understand my motive behind my anger. <clears throat> understand my motive behind my anger. Now, here's what I mean by this. Now that you've determined to gain control and you've evaluated the cost of losing and decided this, it just ain't worth it, I got to deal with this. You've, you've F focused on the root cause of why you're angry. Now you're beginning to ask yourself, <coughs> excuse me, what, what is it that I actually want? What is it that I'm trying to get? Too. Have you ever noticed that when we get angry, our mouths tend to run faster than our minds? Does that ever happen to you? When I was a kid, we, we called it a diarrhea of the mouth and constipation of the brain. <laughs> Can you say that in church? Forget, forget I said that in church, okay. Somebody else said, uh, it's a cleaner version, uh, a sharp tongue is the fastest way to cut your own throat. So the truth is that, uh, that we've got to figure out how if we want to get a handle on this, to put our mind in gear before we engage our mouth. In other words, you've got to stop and think before you react. Proverbs 13, 16, wise people think before they act. Wise people think before they act. We talked about this last week in detail. I won't pursue it again, but it's, it's not feel, act, think. I'm angry, therefore I'm going to act that out, and I'll think about what happened later. It's think, act, feel. I'm going to think about what's going on. I'm going to try to figure out what is the root problem that's here, and then I'm going to think about what is it I really want from the exchange that I'm about to have. I've got to figure out in advance. You ever had an occasion when you said something and five minutes later you're going, man, I wish I hadn't said that. Oh, man, I wish I could put those words back in my mouth, but once they're out, they can't come back. So before you respond when anger begins to rise, you ask yourself three questions. 
All right, again, I told you, take notes, send me the information for the notes, the email for the notes. This is critical. Question number one is, why am I angry? I mean, I feel that the anger rising. Stop, engage your mind before you engage your mouth. Why am I angry? What, am I hurt by something that's going on? Am I frustrated about something that's going on? Is this making me afraid or insecure? What's, what's really going on behind the scenes of the superficial stuff, the symptoms that we all are seeing? Question two, what do I really want out of this encounter? Well, I want revenge. I want them to feel the hurt that I feel. I want them to feel the frustration that I feel. I want them to feel as insecure and afraid as I'm feeling right now. And I get it. I understand why those emotions would rise up and why you want, might want some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, guys, revenge doesn't get you there doesn't solve anything. In fact, it has the exact opposite result because you've burned through all the energy that God has given you that, that came out of the anger to begin with. You've burned it in revenge and now you've created more problems because you've vented your anger and you still haven't gotten to the root of what's really going on, which means it's gonna happen again and again and again and again. It doesn't help you. The real answer to question two is I want healing from the hurt. I want to stop being frustrated. I want to stop feeling so insecure, which leads you to question three. How do I get that? This is what I really want here. How do I get that? And you almost never get it by blowing up or clamming up. You almost never get it by self-isolating or going into a pity party or gossiping or becoming sarcastic. You may win the current battle but you'll ultimately lose the war and you'll actually drive a nail in the coffin that your relationship will be buried in. So you gotta learn to diffuse. Proverbs 16, 23, from a wise mind comes careful and persuasive speech. So the D stands for determined to control it. In other words, think before you act. The E stands for evaluate the cost. While you're saying, <clears throat> I'm not going to give vent to this. I'm not going to shut down. Boy, this is going to cost me a lot if I do what I feel like doing. If I, you know, what I'm thinking right now, boy, this is going to cost me, my relationships, my job. My, it's going to cost everything. Not going to do it. Instead, I'm going to turn this energy into focusing on the root cause. What's really going on here? Am I hurt? Am I frustrated? Am I insecure or afraid? And then I begin to understand uh, what my motives are, what does I really want to get out of this exchange, this event in my life, which leads you to number, to the letter S, which is seek help. Say it with me, seek help. One more time like you mean it, seek help. There is nothing weak or unspiritual about seeking help. I heard one little amen over here, so I'll say it again. There is nothing weak or unspiritual about seeking help. Can I get an amen in the room? In fact, Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So we've already established anger is, a, is energy, but it's also a warning light that, that, that you're likely feeling hurt or, or insecure or frustrated or something like that. You need to know that it's not always that easy to figure out which one of those things is going on. 
Sometimes it's far more uh, complex than you can just figure out. Uh, in fact, sometimes those feelings can originate from an event that happened 20 or 30 years ago, and it's hard to connect the dots by yourself. So you need somebody who's outside of the emotions of the moment to help you process through it. Let me give you one quick example. I was working with a couple, this is, this is a number of years ago now, but I was working with a couple that had, had just celebrated their 26th wedding anniversary and their youngest child had left home to go to college and so they found themselves empty nesters and the first discovery that they made as empty nesters is that they really didn't like each other very much. Both of them were committed Christians, active in the church. Uh, they called me and said, Pastor, is there any way we can come sit down with you and talk through this thing? And so I welcomed them in. Pastor Andy does this all the time around here, regular basis kind of stuff around here. And so we sat down and talked, and I began to ask them some of the very questions that I'm trying to introduce to you this morning. So what do you think is the root cause? Where do you think this happens? In fact, I finally asked the question, and, they, and it came down to it. They said, well, both of them said, well, I'm feeling insecure in the relationship. I, she said, I feel like he's trying to control everything. And he said, well, I feel like she's trying to control everything. She said, well, I don't think I have control over anything. He said, well, I don't think I have control over anything. And so I asked them, can you think of the first time you ever felt that way in this marriage? And she, without hesitation, she didn't blink an eye. She said, I can. It was in our first year of marriage. When we got married, I moved to his hometown where he had his family and his friends and his church, and I left my friends and family and church behind. And so those first several months, I had a lot of homesickness and I got lonely a lot. And so I got to where I would call my mom. Now, this was several years ago. Some of you will understand what I'm about to say. Others of you go, what? Uh, long distance phone calls were expensive. Come on, how many remember when long distance phone calls where you always say, don't talk long, it's long distance. You know, it's, hush, this is a long distance call because it was expensive. Now you pick up your phone and call Tanzania. You know, it's a big deal. But in those days, it was a big deal. And so the first month that the phone bill came and, uh, and the husband came in with the phone bill and slapped it down on the table where she was sitting and he said, we can't afford you talking. To, I don't know who this person is, but we can't afford you talking long distance as much as you do. You, have, you get 15 minutes a week with this person. And she said, well, it's my mama. And I'm just feeling kind of isolated and alone. I haven't made friends yet. And I need to talk to somebody. So, I, you know, mom's the only person I got to talk to. He said, 15 minutes a week. That's it. And he turned around and walked out of the room. That was the first time that she felt controlled by him and he felt out of control of a circumstance because she didn't quit calling her mother. Fast forward 25 years, the kids are gone. They got nothing to keep them together. So I looked at him and I said, what do you suppose would have happened? Obviously you were angry because you couldn't afford that bill and you're getting used to being a married man yourself. I get it, anger rose up. What do you think would have happened if you'd come in and sat down and said, darling, we got a problem. Here's the phone bill and we really can't afford that. So talk to me about these calls. What, do you feel like you need them? What do you feel like's going on? And she'd say, well, you know, if this is what's happening. I'd talk to my mom. Well, I get that. I see why you need to talk to your mom, but we've got to figure out a way to, to fit it in our budget somehow, or we've got to cut our budget somehow. What if you had sat down and said, we've got a problem. Let's see if we can find a solution 
that diffuses any hurt, any frustration, or any fear or insecurity. Where do you suppose you guys would be today if you had resolved it that way? He said, we'd be at a different place. Well, then this, the question is not what do you do about what happened then? The question is what do you do going forward? Sometimes you need somebody to help you sort out what's actually going on. Sometimes you don't know yourself. Sometimes it's just that you're too close to the forest to see the trees. You just need a trusted friend who can help you think it through. Sometimes you need professional help to help you dig into the root issues and figure out what's going on. Somebody who's trained to help you figure out uh, these kind of details. Sometimes all you need is the right circle of friends. Proverbs 22, 24, and 5, do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Does that make sense? Let me ask it this way. Is anger contagious? You ever been in an angry conversation with somebody, and the louder they got, the louder you got, and the louder they got, the louder you got, and the more animated they got, the more animated you got? That's what happens. So if you're serious about changing those old destructive patterns, you've got to find some people who understand the issues that we're talking about today, understand what the Bible says about these things, and who are attempting to practice them. None of us are perfect at this stuff, but we're at least trying to practice them, and we're trying to help each other to practice them. I had another couple that I met with in premarital counseling some time ago, and she had been married before. It was his first marriage and during the course of our premarital counseling process, she blurted out, I'd still be with my first husband if I had been in this church and in a small group. To which he went, uh, what? <laughs> the first time I'm hearing that, she said, you know what? He's actually a good guy. But we got into a, a, a season of angry exchanges and the circle of friends that I was hanging out with, I'd come and vent on them and tell them all the horrible things that he said and did. And every one of them said, you know what? You deserve better than that. You ought to leave the jerk. Just dump the jerk. Just move on. And I did. And now years later, I realized he's not such a bad guy. We were just both really young and immature. Didn't understand how to deal with our hurts, our frustrations, and our fears. So I'm going to get it right this time because I'm in a church, I'm in relationship with Christ, I'm in a small group of people that understand these things. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying, yeah, you may need professional help to sort some of this stuff out. You may need a trusted friend to help you think through it, but at the very least, don't just go to church. And by heaven's sake, don't just sit on your couch and watch church. I ran across a young lady in town just a few weeks ago, and she said, I know you. Where, where do I know you from? And I said, well, I'm the pastor out of the bridge in Princeton. She said, oh, yeah, yeah. I watch the show every week. I love it. It's not a show. It's church. And church is not some singing and some preaching. Church is relationships. So get in. Ownership classes next Sunday, sign up, get in. Become an owner here. Co-owner with all the other owners that are here. Join a serve team. We do test drive all the time out there in the lobby. I met a guy this morning who's test driving in our production area. And so just say, okay, let me find an area where I serve. Because what happens is you begin to build relationships. Join a bridge group. We do semesters around here. The new semester starts 1st of October. And so September is sign-up time. We've got groups on, uh, women's groups on Sunday night and co-ed groups on Monday and Tuesday night and women's groups on Wednesday nights. We've got groups going on all over the place. Uh, so go to the catalog on the website and, and pick a group, get into a group, be a part 
of building relationships with people who want the same thing that you want. Again, I'm not saying there's no conflict here, that we're perfect people, but we are trying to live according to the Word of God, and here's what the Bible says. James Dobson, Christian psychologist, says successful relationships are not those where anger or conflict does not exist, but rather where they have learned to manage their anger. When anger is managed, it produces intimate relationships. So you determine to control, you evaluate the cost, you focus on the root cause of what's really going on, you try to understand your motives of what is it you're trying to get from the way you're reacting to the anger that you feel, and then seek some help. Finally, and most importantly, the E stands for expect God to act. Expect God to act. Say it with me. Expect God to act. All of this sounds good, but it's easier said than done. Can I get an amen on that one? fact is, if you've got a life filled with, frust- with hurt, frustration, and fear, insecurity, then you're probably dumping anger all over the place. It might be the time bomb, the self-righteous, or it might be the shutdown martyr or, or silent type, but you, chances are you're dumping anger all over the place because what's inside ultimately comes outside. Is that true? So, so what is this? Uh, Cliff, our stage manager, said, be sure to tell him that it's not Preparation H. That's not what this is. Uh, Actually, we don't know what it is. We know what the label says it is. But you know the only way to know what this is? Is to take the lid off and squeeze it. Because what it is, is what's in here. Let it marinate in your thought for a minute when the pressure comes on what's inside comes out so if you really want to diffuse your anger you got to give control of your insides to someone who has the power to help you overcome Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Don't be controlled by the spirits of this world that leads to death, destruction, debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 5 tells us what happens when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you up. The Spirit produces the fruit of, read it with me, the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control understand what I'm saying to you is those are actually God's attributes and so when you ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill you up to be the one that's in control of your life and your reactions actions and reactions toward life his love begins to cast out all fear his joy is constant regardless of the circumstances and frustration begins to go away his peace overwhelms your frustrations his gentleness and goodness and kindness heals your hurts and ultimately together his spirit produces self-control to be able to Determined to control and manage your anger. To evaluate the cost before you respond. Ultimately begin to focus on the root issue. What is it you really want? What's your motive for blowing up or clamming up? Getting help not just from humans around you, but from the Holy Spirit 
of God. Simply put, and I'll hush, Jesus Christ wants to replace your hurts with his healing. Hear that. Not just in your head, in your heart. God wants to replace your hurts with his healing. He wants to replace your frustrations with his peace. He wants to overcome your insecurities with his trustworthiness, his faithfulness. I beg you to let him. Let's pray. Father, we know this is one of these topics that really does cut close to home for all of us because anger is a part of the human equation. We also know that you gave us anger on purpose to create energy for dealing with the issues around us and as a red flag, a warning that something's going wrong, needs to be fixed. But here we are, Lord, saying, I... I would if I could, but I can't. When when I get mad, when I get frustrated, when I get hurt, when I get afraid, I blow up before I even realize it, or I clam up, shut down, pull away. Not sure I even realized that was anger, but I guess it is. So I need you, Lord. Just whisper it right there where you are, sitting at home on your couch, sitting in this room in your chair. Just whisper that. Do it silently. I don't care, but to him, I need you, Lord. I need your Holy Spirit to pour your cooling love on my heated heart. Give me what I need to build healthy relationships with you and with others and to focus my anger in constructive ways. Father, you know who's praying. You know exactly what's going on. Maybe some married couples who need to have this conversation even on the way home or when they get home this afternoon. So let's acknowledge that we haven't handled our anger the way we should, but let's learn about that. Let's grow in that. Let's get into some relationships that'll help us grow in that. Let's begin with a relationship with Jesus. Thank you, God, for the way you're speaking right now in the quietness of this room. And I pray that there would be healing and health and wholeness for all of us who call on you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said together,